0: From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire from freedom with another episode of the CloverTac Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. Welcome to another Clover Tack Podcast powered by Trailblazer Firearms. It is September the 28th, 2022. Man. Uh, years gone by quick. Actually registered for SHOT Show, I think, yesterday or the day before. Can't believe that's right around the corner as well. It's crazy. So for all those that are jumping in uh, to the replay world, audio, video, whatever, thanks for joining in the replay. We appreciate that. And remember for all those folks that are they're joining live and filing in, uh, if you do want to participate uh, live out there, you certainly have the option to do that. If you got questions for our guests moving forward, whatever it might be, throw those in the live chat. We'll address them. That's one of the perks of being live. But if you are in the replay world, we get it. Uh, people have lives. And remember, you can always participate after the fact in a comment down below. Wherever you're watching listening, there's going to be a comment section. Utilize that. Uh, we want to get up on the screen here, our banner, if I can find it. Bam, there it is. To say thank you to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, the newest channel member of which is Wes out there. So thanks, Wes. Appreciate it. Those at Super Chat, super thanks. Those at shopclovertech.com slash shop. And then also want to mention the Firearms Radio Network. Uh, this podcast along with all kinds of cool stuff you can find over there firearmsradio.net proud member of that group and uh, highly encourage you to go check that out we've got uh, Rebecca with it is a mouthful to say but one million moms against gun control bringing her in now and then we're going to get this conversation rolling how are you ma'am
1: I am good I am busy but I am good
0: You are busy. This has been, most people don't know this, uh, but this has been like a year in the making. I swear it has been.
1: Yes, because we saw each other at Amcon last year and we're getting ready to be at Amcon again.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess you're going to do GRPC.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a really quick and, turnaround um, because it's election season. So I have to come straight back and continue uh, campaigning. So
0: yeah, gotcha. got you. No, yeah. I got gotcha. you. And so that gets into a little bit of what we're going to talk about. You've got a lot of different hats uh, going a lot of different directions. Definitely busy. Uh, you've got, uh, of course, one million moms. You've got uh, the uh, uh, bid for political office, let's say uh also dc project stuff that you've worked on and are working on just a lot of different things going on i want to definitely hit on all of those because i think they're important and we need to get some uh, awareness out there but if you would just take a quick minute and talk about you talk about a little bit of your backstory uh, and what kind of started you to do all of the different things that you're doing
1: All right. So I was born and I grew up. Actually, I don't know about the growing up part. I'm still working on that. (laughs) I think we all are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the best of us are anyway. So, all right. So about 10 years ago or so, I had small children and I was a stay at home mom. And just like everybody else, I watched when Sandy Hook happened. And I mean, the, the horror of that Watching that play out in the 24-hour news cycle was just tremendous. And while we were watching it, a group of moms came out that were very well-funded. And they all seemed to um, have a script ready. And so when they came out and they started saying that moms hated guns and we wanted to get rid of guns, uh, I took great exception to that i was really pretty offended that somebody would actively petition to take my ability to protect my small children and myself from me and so i started looking around the internet like we all do you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like web md but you know for gun people (laughs) we i started looking around the internet and found a group that had been founded by heather mark casey that was called 1 million moms against gun control. At the time, the Bloomberg funded moms were actually 1 million moms for gun control. And so we were the first direct answer to that group. And in doing so, I met just a ton of amazing people. And I, growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm a hunter, And I come from a family where guns were normal. It was an everyday thing for us. And so I was able to meet all of these women out there that had either also been in the same situation where they grew up with firearms or they were just now learning about being able to protect themselves and their families. And so we started building these amazing relationships. And in doing so, we started having these small grassroots organizations pop up. And so you saw a boom of women stepping forward and saying, you know, we don't want to lose our rights. We want you guys to leave us alone so that we can learn how to better and more effectively take care of ourselves and our families. And so that's when you really saw women's training uh kick off and we i there has always been women in the second amendment community uh -hmm. we weren't always represented so well (laughs) but that has changed dramatically in fact the the fact that women are now the fastest growing demographic of american gun owners is partly due to the other side stepping in and saying women hate guns Mm -hmm. And so we were we were lucky enough to be the the catalyst, I guess, and give a lot of women their start and a voice. And that's what it was for me. And so from there, it's just been, all set, you know, uh, forward, and uh, it's just been an, an incredible ride so far. And yeah,'ve I've taken on a lot of hats. <laughs>
0: You know, when you talk about, when we all come into this, where you're talking, you know, male, female, whatever it might be, we all come into it with a different experience, different expertise, all of that stuff, right? Would you say that the women that you've met over the last few years, would you say the vast majority of them have a background with firearms or do not have a background with firearms?
1: Really, it's 50 50. We've got a lot of women that are kind of joining the ranks because uh, the man in their life is getting them involved. We have a lot of women who are stepping forward and telling their stories of these traumatic things that have happened in their life whether they were previous gun owners or whether they have decided to take it upon themselves to be their own first responder. I know it sounds like a cliche, but that's exactly what we are. I mean, we use that phrase all the time, but there's a reason we do. And it's because these ladies have learned the hard way. And unfortunately I've been in um, really traumatic situations myself But these ladies have learned the hard way that nobody's coming to save you and that you need to be prepared to protect yourself. Um, That's one of the mottos that Million Moms Against Gun Control has used for years is prepared to protect. And when we talk about that, we're protecting our lives, our families, and our rights. We want to make sure that our children are also able to protect themselves effectively and so that's it really does encompass a lot and i mean there's there are ladies out there that are like me that have been around it their entire lives and then there's ladies that have actually joined in the ranks of protecting our rights that don't own firearms and everybody is always shocked to hear that but they understand that the right itself is important enough to fight for even if they are not comfortable effectively exercising that right yet i always like to put that yet in there
0: right well and and maybe never but you know that's the thing um you know there's people that go their entire lives and never vote right? right like just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean and i think that I think our community gets that wrong sometimes, right? We're so gung-ho. We we enjoy it from the sporting angle, the hunting yeah. angle, the rights angle, the defensive angle, whatever it might be. Um, and we fail to realize it's like, well, think of something. I mean, are you into off-roading? Lots of people are, right? But right. you may not be, and that's perfectly okay. Um, we don't want to ban off-roading just because yeah. I don't participate in it. You know, I want it to be out there. I want other people to be able to enjoy that, build communities around it. There be an entire industry right with it, whatever the case may be. Um, So I think that's uh, that's good. When you talk about the Bloomberg funded group, um, have you had conversations with those ladies, with those women? Um, And I'm, I'm curious to hear. First of all, yes or no, I guess real quick, if you haven't, it doesn't do us any good to pursue that. But, oh,
1: yes. Yes, okay. I have.
0: <laughs> um, I've got this just from a lot of the back and forth that I've seen. I feel like, you know, the groups like that, every group's going to have their talking points, right? Mm-hmm. Even even your group's going to have its talking points. We, we all do. Yep. Um, But I feel that their group, the rank and file the grassroots people, right? That are a part of that particular Bloomberg funded movement. Yeah. I think they, I think they think they're there for a noble cause because they, maybe they just don't understand it. And they're just, they're grabbing onto that talking point, those talking points, and they're not really researching much beyond that point. Do you, in talking with them, do you get a sense that that's the case or is it something totally different?
1: Honestly, that's the majority of the case right now. Um, Even whenever they very first came on scene, there were a lot of really well-meaning women that were joining their organization. I think that that has not changed. Unfortunately, the people behind the scenes, the people who are pushing the agenda, obviously have a nefarious purpose. And they're using these people. Um, I have had conversations really early on. The conversations were entirely different than what they are now. Mm-hmm. Really early on, um, most of the times when we had interactions, it was all um, name calling from their side to our side that sure. you know, we wanted to murder children. We were baby killers. It was, <laughs> right. you know, um, I've had people tell me everything from they hope that my kids are in the next one shot in the school shooting to they hope that my kids... Um, mishandle right. a firearm and shoot me so that they have to live with it for the rest of their life. If, if there is an evil thing that you could say about a child and a firearm, I've heard it and I've heard right. it directed at myself and my own kids. Right. And so really early on, that was almost constant and it really did divide, it built that wall. They were reacting emotionally to something that had happened um, Mm -hmm. that was tragic for the nation, for the world. And so as much as it was uncalled for and unnecessary, I could still understand where they were coming from, I just didn't agree with them. Um, At the same time, now, uh, I think it was this last Last session of my uh, state house, there was a bill trying to get a uniform standard of training, firearms training, just safety training, not proficiency on any mm-hmm. level, that uh, we were trying to get that back in our schools. And all we were doing was trying to set a standard. And so I went up to testify in the Senate committee meeting that it was being seen in And I had a group of three, well, I guess four red shirt ladies in front of me and they did not speak. When I got up and I spoke, whenever I addressed the committee, they very quickly understood that we were all there to promote safety. Uh It just so happens that my way of keeping kids safe is to empower them with education. Uh, the DC project talks about that a lot, but it's, it's more so about making sure that these kids know the, honestly, it was, it was the NRA based stop, don't touch, run away, tell grown up. Uh-huh. But somehow because it has that three letter acronym that happens to be a four letter word, then, you know, it's. It became something other than safety to these ladies. And so they were there to try to push an agenda to stop safety training just based on who was providing the free materials for the students. Right. Free is great. And so state legislature, thank you for thinking of free because we certainly don't need more taxes. Right. Um But at the same time, these ladies did not understand that we were all shooting for, pardon the pun, but we were all shooting for safety. And so after my conversation with the committee, I came back and sat down and three of the four ladies turned around and wanted to further the conversation. And they took my card and we talked about things that we could agree on Mm -hmm. um, as far as teaching safety. These people aren't monsters. The the everyday boots on the ground people are not monsters. They want the same thing we want. They just have a different avenue that they they think that they're going to be able to reach the goal and Uh we have seen historically it's not working so we need to try something else
0: right and i want to uh i want to pursue that a little bit further here just a second and we do have some questions out there i've got those flagged keep them coming we'll get to them but uh real quick i want to talk about trailblazer firearms because this podcast is powered by trailblazer and if you're not familiar with them, hopefully they're doing well. Uh They're in uh North Carolina there and sort of in the projected path of uh, what will be Ian uh, before too long. So uh, our thoughts are, are certainly with them. But doing some very innovative stuff uh, for a small company in the firearm industry. You may have heard about the life card, a little credit card sized single shot 22, 22 Magnum handgun uh, that can be a fun little thing to use on the range or it might fit a gap or a niche in self-defense you'll just have to check it out and decide of course for yourself and then they got the very innovative soon to come to the public market we're hoping anyway the uh pivot which is a little nine millimeter carbine that flips and twists and folds and does all kinds of cool stuff so go over there and check about trailblazer firearms if you do pun intended here, uh, Decide to pull the trigger on that lifeguard. 10% off with CloverTac. We'll get that done. So let's get back over here with uh, Rebecca. And and as you was, was talking there, I thought of a few things. So the first is that our side is not free from the name calling and everything else <laughs> as well. Um yeah. so we need to recognize when we go oh they just name call and da 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 da. we need we need to realize the hypocrisy sometimes. Yes. Um second thing when you were talking that I thought of was emotions are a real thing. Now whether or not you know you're acting appropriately on those emotions and we can have that discussion but to tell somebody that's fearful or distraught or whatever that Oh, you're being unreasonable. You're not that way. Well, that's a real feeling to them. You don't feel it because you're not that person. Their experiences, their knowledge base, whatever it might be, coupled with whatever event has caused that that emotional episode, it's a real thing, and it has to be addressed as or at least addressed as a real thing. Um, and you know, I think it's I think it's neat when you brought up that you're not going to agree on everything, and I think that's I think that's true. Um, but I mean, if we can agree on 75% of things, right? It's gonna be, it's gonna end up being a better world. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, um, people talk about compromise and they say, well, compromise is a bad thing. You know, no compromise. Compromise is a bad thing. And in some situations, I understand that. But if you look at a lot of the wins and, and, our community doesn't talk about the wins nearly as much as we talk about the boogeyman at the door. Yes. We love to talk about the house passed, blah, 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 even though there, we know there's no chance it gets through the Senate. Right. But we want to blow it up. Like it's the end of the world. Cause the house passed it. Um, along the same lines, we could get constitutional carry in a state. We can get some court victories. We can get some other things. And then nobody talks about it. Yep. Nobody says, Hey, we we won. We're moving forward. And a lot of the advancements that are made in restoring our Second Amendment rights have been have, has come about by compromise. We we put it all on the table, but then if we can get this and we can get this back, cool, we'll take it. And then the next okay. time we put it all on the table. And if we can get this and get this, we're gonna take it. Um and I just I'm coming to that from the experience here in Texas with constitutional carry. For those that don't know. You've got two classes of people with that, that don't live in Texas or that don't understand. The first class, they they think that Texas has always had constitutional carry because it's Texas. And it's like, no, that's not the case. They also don't rem- remember that all of that ball started rolling under a Democrat governor in the mid-90s. And every single session, we had the hardline people that were... It's constitutional carrier. Nothing It's constitutional carrier. Nothing. Meanwhile, other people were chipping away at it. Oh, well, we've got the concealed handgun license. Oh, let's chip away. Let's lower those requirements. Oh, we've got that. Now let's chip away and go license to carry. Oh, we let's chip away at that now and lower the requirements. And it slowly got to a point over the decades, unfortunately, because we had the biannual annual legislature. Yep. Um it slowly got to a way where constitutional carry was all that was left. It was inevitable because mm-hmm. we slowly moved it in that direction. Um, I like the Hail Mary pass approach. I think there are people out there that need to push that because I think that I think that helps us to move the ball forward yeah. uh, incrementally. When you have people that are are going for that, and their side certainly does. Yes. That's how you get these these. Big, huge, crazy, legis- anti-gun legislative efforts, yes. uh, not only on a state level, but proposed at the federal level. They know there's no chance. Mm-hmm. And usually it's somebody like a Diane Feinstein or a Maxine Waters that nobody takes seriously anyway that introduces them. And you're like, this is not anybody even introducing this, that they've never introduced a bill that's ever passed in their life. You know, yep. how would this one be any different? So um, it's it's interesting I guess when you get into that political game, right? Um, and so that's kind of where I want to take it, unless unless you want to address something uh, else. I want to kind of take it into your move for uh, your your bid for political office. So uh, it's it's
1: interesting that you that you want to move there because one of the things that I talk about a lot, um, I just came through a primary, and so a primary is a weird thing, especially for somebody that is in advocacy. Because I mean, when you have a defined enemy who <laughs> enemy who right. actually um, believes entirely different things, they they believe the antithesis of everything that you stand for, and they they proclaim that they hate you for the things that you stand for. That's a super easy target. That's, that's really easy to go and say, well, this is how I'm different and this is how I'm different and they do this and we want to do this. When you're in a primary, uh, it's, it's like friendly fire and it's yes. constant yes. friendly fire. And it, it was super uncomfortable for me because we are on the same team and we say at least that we want the same things. And so then you're having to show people that you're the best out of the two choices or however many choices. And so it was It was a totally different world for me to, to be in a primary race. However, one of the big things with my primary opponent was that he really talked a lot about how he wanted to go to state legislature and compromise. And so mm-hmm. people I mean, that that in itself is kind of a red flag for people right now because of things that they, they see happening that they don't want to have happen. And so I was constantly reminding people that, listen, I am all for compromise. I will compromise with you on what we have for dinner. I will not compromise with you on the fact that we need to eat. There are lines. There are things right. that, yes, we can give and we can negotiate. Um, When it comes to basic rights, there is no compromise. This is the way it is. We can compromise if you want a pizza and I want a cheeseburger. We can figure that out, but we're going to eat.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, people people misunderstand and also misuse the word compromise, right? Compromise means that, okay, we agree that we need something to eat. You want... Ital- Italian food, I want Mexican food okay well neither one of us gets what we want and we go to McDonald's or maybe we go to some kind of a weird fusion place right, right. so we both don't get exactly what we want, yep. We we lose a little bit we get a little bit of what we want but then we don't get other little things and all too often what is called compromise is when we don't get nothing <laughs> it's like yeah it's like people call that compromise like oh it could be worse I and mean, we do you mean it could be worse like we <laughs> got nothing
1: be <laughs> we yeah. got
0: nothing from this like yeah. you know it, it's it's we need something there needs to be a gain on both sides in some yeah. way a gain and a loss in order for it to be compromised and for decades now that's really not been the case
1: no in fact we have compromised ourselves right out of uh exercising freely exercising our rights in a lot of areas and so it's it really has taken on an entirely different terminology the the word compromise was it's not a always word. a negative word <laughs> and so, right. but it is it's a dance and uh when in kansas where i am when we were going for all the different gun uh freedoms that we are enjoying right now we had to start with open carry so open carry was legal but it cities and counties and places could kind of put restrictions on it if they wanted wow. to so then we had to solidify no the entire state is going to adhere to one rule so that people don't get themselves in trouble you know walking across the street, and now they're in a different county. And so when we started that, it really started the ball rolling, and we were able to, like you said, chip away. And we did have people who were constantly upset with our legislature because we were not moving fast enough for them. What they didn't understand was as long as we just continued moving, eventually we would get to the point that we are now where we are – a constitutional carry, and it is honored by anyone who can federally, on the federal level, uh, rightfully carry a firearm, own and uh, carry. And so if you can pass the basic federal standard, then you can come from anywhere in the country and you can conceal carry, constitutional carry, in the state of kansas and we just lowered our state level to the age of 18 so that we could recognize other states who have that in place also Um, our 18 year olds in kansas do have to still pass the the concealed carry license um classes and tests and things like that. And that was actually a really big deal for me because when we were getting that passed, I actually had a son turning 18 who was getting ready to go to college. And so it had been a mission of mine because then mom's not there to take care of him. He is effectively having to take care of himself. And so we have campus carry and we have, we got him through the training and everything so that he would be able to take that new step and be able to be a young adult protecting himself outside of the nest. Nice. Yeah. Uh, big,
0: uh, (laughs) Big thanks to DJ out there for dropping links. And just a quick reminder for those that are live, as well as wherever you're at in replay, check the description down below. There's, there's links as well. Um, On that note, let's hit a few questions. And the first question is dealing with that from G23. Uh, Says, if women are interested, and I'm going to broaden that to anybody, but if women are interested, uh, how can they get involved and how can people support the organization?
1: Okay, so Million Moms itself has kind of morphed over the last decade because when we very first started, we were getting – We grew too fast. (laughs) There were a lot (laughs) of ladies who really, really were excited about it. And we grew too fast. We had a bunch of volunteers all over the nation. And then we couldn't find places to fit them. We couldn't get them effective as boots on the ground. So what we ended up kind of moving into is Million Moms is a liaison. So if somebody wants... Information about the laws in their state, how to change the laws where they are. If they want training, if they want to know what's a great holster for women, then we can get them the information. Generally speaking, because it's been a decade and we have been uh, constant in the fight of protecting our rights, we have been able to make uh, really good friendships with people all over the nation, and we can usually get a lady to someone within about 50 miles of where they are for training or to talk to one of their legislators or something like that um some places like montana or you know it's it's a little it's a little further than 50 miles we found but generally speaking it's within a quick driving distance to get these ladies hooked up where they need to be now where we do kick people who want to be active and and be a part of the change is one of the other organizations i work with which is dc project and dc project is women for gun rights and we are in all 50 states and uh, when it was founded by diana Muller, they would take a lady from each state and go to DC and sit down with legislators and have actual discussions about what safety, what gun safety really looks like and what the American fire, firearm owner actually looks like. So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty impactful when you have a group of women sitting in an office with a federal legislator and you're saying, look at me, I'm the face of gun ownership, and this is this is why it's important to me. And so, um, what DC Project has, we were just in DC two weeks ago, I think now, and and doing that very thing. But what they have started doing is we are now actively doing this the same model, but at the state level. Mm -hmm. So for ladies who want to get involved and men who want to support ladies who are getting involved and actually going and sitting down with lawmakers, then go to dcproject.info and we will plug you in where you're local and we can start getting you involved in making those visits and making those connections, building those relationships with the people who are actually writing your laws.
0: And I, I know on the probably not so much on the state level, but on the federal level, the way I understand is that the ladies with the DC project go in groups so that it's not necessarily just the just a constituent representative. It may be an additional lady from a totally different district or whatever, right?
1: Oh well, yeah. Um, two weeks ago when we were there, I was in a group of So i'm kansas and i had missouri and i had oklahoma and i had tennessee and so we were able to cover the legislators who would make time to see us um you know we were able to cover them or their staffers while we were there and everybody has their own reason for being there everybody has their own reason for involvement and it was it was fantastic. Of course, we have Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Tennessee. We're, it, they're pretty friendly states. And right. so generally speaking, most of our interactions with our legislators and their staffers were really positive. We were able to talk about um, different safety options, uh, different organizations that adhere to our mission that um, like faster saves lives when we're talking right. about uh, schools and kids safe, probably. Yes, kids safe. We talked about them. Hold my guns was a big one that we talked about. Um, so on top of talking about legislation that's being proposed, legislation that we would like to see um, at the federal level, but we were also able to talk about actual tools that they can use while they are having these discussions in the back room behind closed doors. And they can say, actually, they are, the Second Amendment community is addressing this, and this is what it looks like. And this is how we are keeping the safety aspect, um, the responsibility aspect with our rights. Uh And so it, it was a very very good week as far as my group uh, went. It was an outstanding week as a whole. But I mean, we've got ladies that were going into non-friendly territory and trying to have these conversations. Um, Generally speaking, everyone, whether it's a staffer or a legislator who will sit down with us they're usually very respectful. And um, we all understand that just because you disagree, it doesn't mean that you have to be disagreeable. Mm. And so by and large, everyone, whether they were friendlies or non-friendlies, they would sit down with us and at the very least uh, be polite and listen to the conversation and we our ladies who were in non-friendly meetings were able to leave those meetings knowing that they had given these people resources and information that they typically don't see because right. we're all affected by the echo chamber. And so just like Second Amendment people are affected by it, those outside of our outside of our Second Amendment community, they are also affected by their own echo chambers. And a lot of these people have no ideas about the organizations that are already out there that they could be utilizing. And so it was really an important step for a lot of people. And um, <laughs> I am hoping that one of one of my representatives here in Kansas that uh, chose to not meet with us, I'm, I'm actively working with her opponent uh, to, for us that's to how you do it. election, that's, yeah. So that's um, how you do it. Yep. Yeah, so we're we're actively working on replacing that in in particular legislator with someone who would not not even necessarily put their name on a bill, but at the very least have a dialogue with us.
0: Right. Yeah. Now I'm hoping should
1: put their name on a bill, but
0: <laughs> for those for those ladies that are going into that that more hostile territory, right? They're going in, they have an anti-gun politician. Um, Are there resources with, with DC project that are shared to maybe help those ladies better communicate or what's that dynamic like?
1: Yeah. um, Actually we go through trainings and things like that. Um, Basically once a year we have been trying to go through a kind of a large scale training with Mm -hmm. all of the directors from the States But on top of that, the DC Project um, on their website at the dcproject.info, there are um, resources on there, not just for the the ladies who are going to DC to use, but they're available for anybody to use. And Mm -hmm. so when we're talking about talking points, it's actual information about when somebody brings this up, these are the resources that we have available. If somebody brings up this infringement on your right, then this is how you can counter that. And really the DC project is a hundred percent education equals empowerment. They are educate, not legislate. And so the more people that we can reach with education, whether it's what their rights are, how to exercise their rights freely, what to do if your rights are not uh, being respected, and then Really, primary, first and foremost, is how to be safe around firearms, whether that's um, you personally, or whether that's training kids, whether that's combating the statistic of the firearm-related suicide. It's oh, yeah. it really does all boil down to education, and so it's it's a great thing to be able to sit in a legislator's office who may not ever want to be around a gun, but you can sit there and explain to them that even if you're not, there will come a time when a gun is around you. Mm -hmm. And so you, you don't always get to make that decision. And so these are ways that you can keep yourself safe. These are things that you can look for if you're around someone who is handling a firearm we do that in kids training all the time that's one of the primary reasons why we train kids is not just so that they can be safe around firearms but they can actively look around and see if someone around them is being unsafe so that they can remove themselves from that situation that is that is one of the biggest things that i explained to my own kids Mm -hmm. So that's, that was the catalyst of getting my own kids training was, listen, you're around them all the time. You're around people who have them all the time. We need you to understand when someone else is being unsafe.
0: Yeah. Now, when you talked earlier, you talked about you, you know, partnering with the other ladies and y'all were mostly, you know, pro to a legislators, um, I'm just curious, what is that like, and, and uh, I'll explain a little further in my question, because just because a of, of legislator's pro-2A, I'm wondering if there's hangups, like do they misunderstand things, do they do they buy into stereotypes, what types of conversations do you have to have with, with seemingly pro-2A legislator's?
1: There is a giant gap between someone who says, I support the second amendment <laughs> right. and someone who actually does. Right. Um, so, I mean, we've all seen that, that I support the second, but we, we understand that that's, that's a thing that we have to combat. Right. So we've got legislators who actively go out and seek ways of restoring and protecting our rights, uh, whether it's the national level, whether it's the state level. There are some people who go out and actively seek out those opportunities. There are other people who kind of sit on the sidelines and if their constituents contact them enough and uh, sway their, their, I guess, for lack of a better term, their interest, if, right. if you can sway them enough to get them involved, they might not put their name on a bill, but they might vote for it. Right. They may sit on a committee that uh, will hear a bill and they think, well, I mean, it's, it's a good idea in theory, but I'm not sure about in practice. And I don't know how my constituents want me to vote. And that's mm-hmm. where we, the people, have incredibly failed over the years of right. being involved and making sure that our voices are heard. We, we always talk about the three uh, parts of government the three branches, the executive and the legislative and the judicial. There's really four. Um, <laughs> we, the people, are the end all, be all of the other three. It's we decide wh- whether or not those other three are working effectively and what we're going to do about it. And so the the fourth part of that, the we, the people part, has not been getting involved nearly as much as they should in order to protect their rights. And so it's, it really does come down to everybody thinks that when a bill comes up, like you'll get an email from an organization and they're like, contact your legislators. And everybody kind of goes, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. And then doesn't do it. The legislators and their staffers, their job is to answer those calls and right. to take that right. information. That's why yeah. we have hired them. That's what they're getting paid to do. So next time somebody says, contact your legislator, do it. Just (laughs) send out the form email. They have to count those just like the other ones. Write your own email. Give them a call. There's, There's a phone number that you can call and they will direct send you to, you know, whichever ones are yours. Right. Make the effort because they are not having their phones ring off the hook. Everybody has right. this misconception right. that all these people are contacting them. Everybody kind of goes, well, I mean, other people are going to do it. So it's not really that important that I it really is that important that you do it. You right. have to take ownership of that. That's that's your role in the government.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know, sometimes, you know, and, and I guess more so maybe on a state level, but sometimes even reaching out and talking with and contacting those folks that are not your direct representative. Yeah. And, I'll, and oh. I'll give an I'll give an example of that when our constitutional carry here in Texas was happening. There was a uh, a senator. Front. was it a senator i'm pretty sure it was because there's less senators so i think that's what it was there was a senator that was a republican senator and this is not a partisan thing i mean it two a's not as partisan as one might think in texas but just right. saying for the sake of this it was it was a republican and um it had i had it on really good sources and a lot of other people did too that he was very wishy-washy and on the fence and didn't know if he was gonna and he he was not coming out and making a public statement like all the other ones had. And um, I just picked up the phone and called Yeah, and I got it and I got an aide, and I said, look, straight off, I am not, and I don't even forget, forgot his name, but I'm not Senator. So-and-so I'm not in the district, but I will tell you that I just hosted a live stream um and I think it was maybe the committee hearings or something, Senate committee hearings or something, that had 10,000 viewers on that live stream. And I can promise you out of those 10,000 viewers, some of those people probably were constituents. Right. And so we need to know what's going on. And, of course, I told other people to do the same thing. I'm like, look, call up there and say, you know, put it out there. Say, hey, you're not my, I get you, you're not my representative official. But we still, we want to know what's going on. What's happening? You know, oh, yeah, you don't okay. got to be mean. You don't got to be ugly. And it wasn't, and I'm not saying that I swayed anything. There was lots of people putting pressure on the guy, but it wasn't, but a couple of days went by and, you know, he put out, a. they put out a statement that, oh, he's, we're sorry for the miscommunication, blah, blah, blah. He's totally on board with this. And it's like, well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, we don't know. But ultimately at the end of the day, he was. And yeah. so you never know until you make those calls and still you stir that pot a little bit, right? You really never know what's gonna what's gonna happen.
1: That's one of the reasons why I'm getting into running for state legislature right now, was because for 10 years I have been actively building relationships with people. And even if my direct representative, who I mean, was effectively he was he was pro 2A um but he wasn't carrying bills so i would find the people who were carrying the bills and start building relationships with them Uh and i would go to the events and i would go to the rallies and things like that so that they knew that they had support i may not be a constituent but i had a platform to talk to their constituents and so they they were very open to the fact that hey listen all help is good help and come in and, and help wherever you can. So it's, it is vitally important that you get to know your representative and the representatives who are actually representing what you believe, whether they are, whether you're their constituent or not, contact them, tell them that they're doing a good job, that you approve of it. If you have family or friends Send them, you know, to to contact, and it's it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I've talked about uh, Matt Schaefer, who um, would have been if they hadn't redistrict. They redistricted here. um,
1: We we just had that too.
0: (laughs) He would have been my representative. He's the one that introduced the constitutional carry bill that ultimately passed, right? Um, And yeah, every time, I mean, I was back and forth with his office every day, every other day. Uh, what was it last year, I guess, during that or year before last, I don't even remember now. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, he certainly knew who I was. He knew, you know, we, we had conversation and, you know, I point what told him. I'm like, you know, unfortunately you're, you're one County over. And since they redistricted, you know, you're, you're not my guy, but you are my guy for making this happen, you know? Um, and I, I think you're right. I think it's important. They can fill those calls. We pay tax dollars for them to have staff. To answer calls and whatever, call them. And and when they, you know, I guess not every little thing, but give them a pat on the back every now and then when they when they do get something right.
1: Yeah. When when they get something right, make sure that they know that they got something right. It's it's really detrimental to only contact your legislature when they're doing something that you don't like. Well, you get tagged. Nobody likes that guy. Yeah.
0: You get tagged as a person that only wants to complain.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's the same way way as if you went into a restaurant, right? And you never said, oh, that was a delicious meal. That, you know, kudos to the chef. Let him know that was awesome. And instead, every, the only time you said anything was, this is overcooked. This is undercooked. This sucks, you know. It's like you're going to get a label as the person that just wants to complain, right?
1: Yeah, and keep then it, nobody keep takes it balanced.
0: Them. Definitely yeah. criticize when they need criticism.
1: Absolutely. Also
0: <laughs> commend them on a uh, on a job well done. Yep. Uh, when they get it right. So let's um, we got a few minutes left here. Let's let's knock out the rest of these questions. Thanks for the questions out there. We've got uh, several to go, and we'll we'll knock them out real quick. Uh, yeah. Charlie Chan out there. I know he, he had a bail earlier. Hopefully he's back though. Uh, if not, you'll catch it on replay. His, he says, how do I convince my wife that she needs to learn how to use firearms? So any advice for, uh, for Charlie?
1: You don't convince her. I mean, that's <laughs> not going to happen. The more that you push her, the more she's going to step away. You invite her. Um, uh, you have other, you introduce her to other people who are active in, in the, the, area. And uh, you I mean, just just make sure that she knows the invitation is there, make sure that she understands the reason why you want it is not so that you you know, you can get a better deal on range day, but it's because you value her life and you want her to be able to protect herself. Um, Really anything more than that, and you're just gonna drive her to not be interested. Also, when she finally goes to the range, do not Put something that is going to give her a lot of kickback. Don't don't put a, lo- a high recoil firearm in her hands for the very first shot. Start her on a 22 or um, like the Sig P365. That's got a really good recoil that's manageable. Start her on something manageable first, so that we don't scare her away.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, she fires out there. Says. Um how do you address women who may approach you and challenge the quote against the gun control position?
1: I get that a lot. Um, I think most recently I, because I'm running for office, I was called the gun worshiping candidate. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's a thing. <laughs> and so um, basically how you address them is you are as respectful as you can be not because of who they are, but because of who you are and You really have to understand that when you're interacting with somebody who is really anti, then you being a representative, it's not just that you're representing yourself, you're representing all gun owners. So Mm -hmm. the, the most profitable thing that we can do is be polite and get out of the conversation. I, unfortunately, part of my job is to engage in those conversations. And at that time, I stick to safety and education. Right. And it really does boil down to the fact that you can give somebody all the information in the world if they don't want to learn from that information that's on them. You've done everything that you can do and smile sweetly. Try really hard not to say bless your heart and then go (laughs) on your way.
0: Right, I would, I would have to be a smart Alec, um, and um, I've out there that. in the out <laughs> there in the chat and listen. You know what I'm saying? Say it with me. Say we all say amen to our Lord and Savior, John Moses Browning.
1: Right?
0: So, um, and yeah, it's like yeah, just you know, make make fun of it. That's what I would do.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I've, there right. were times and places, and I have absolutely done that. Um, but generally speaking, it's best to just be gracious <laughs> right. and go right.
0: away. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, now, g Webbs has uh, got a question. He says, from your point of view, uh, where we are in 2022, uh, all that's happened by so many to get here, any predictions for the next five years or 10 years? That's an interesting one.
1: All right. So I'm going to encompass a lot of stuff in this, but (laughs) the pendulum is a real thing. And Uh so the more they are pulling back on that pendulum, the further it's going to swing. And it always does. We have seen it. Time after I am 43, I just turned 43 recently. And And they're pulling
0: awful hard, especially from a societal standpoint, I think right now.
1: My entire life, I've been watching the pendulum swing back and forth. Um, Unfortunately, it always seems to be that... um, the conservatives the constitutionalists really want the pendulum to stop swinging and so we try really hard to just get it to stop and the other side takes that as a time to pull back again wow. and so over the next 5 10 years i think that we are going to see a huge shift especially in the next 5 years we we will see a huge shift and we will see a lot of people who are rights minded who actually understand and love freedom, they will start stepping up. Our biggest hurdle is reaching the youth because we have got uh, institutions in place right now that are telling our kids, they're teaching our kids things that are not true about our country, or they are teaching our kids that um, their parents are wrong and their parents are mean and you know just mean spirited mm. people and so we have to reclaim the education of our youth and that is we're looking at the 10 year process that's what it's going to take in right. order to continue to exercise our rights um i do not want um what people refer to as the civil war you know i don't i don't want that I don't just not want it because, you know, war is bad, but I have young sons. I have teenage boys and I, as their mom, don't want something to kick off that would put them in harm's way. I don't Mm -hmm. want neighbors fighting neighbors. I don't, nobody, no one that I know who actually understands what that would look like once that um it is a talking point that a lot of people especially a lot of people on on the second amendment side will use and it's i understand the purpose for it but when you actually sit down and start thinking about it the education key can prevent a lot of that
0: in in the small world that we live in remember when we if we're talking the you know the american civil war mid 1800s or revolutionary war the late 1700s the world is tiny 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 compared to what it what it was oh um, yeah. the the ability for mass destruction is far 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 greater yeah. than it was and i agree with you i think if you sit down and look at that i don't like getting into those conversations either because yeah. i think if you sit down and look at it it's like that's not going to end well for anybody. No. That's mutually assured destruction at best, is a, a yes. about what you're looking at with that.
1: Uh, now, when, when we watch the supply chain issues that uh, the reaction to COVID uh, caused, yeah, trust me, you guys don't want a war. <laughs> right,
0: right, <laughs> right. Uh, real quick, She Fires dropped down a uh, $20 super sticker. You did not have to do that, dear, but thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Um, and going on to the uh, questions got two left before we get out of here today uh dj says uh is there a voting guide aside from the one provided by the nra which i hate those things rating. that you uh, use or you can recommend for vetting candidates before an election before you answer that um that's one of the reasons I left as a director of Texas State Rifle Association years ago. I was a director for several years and their voting guide did not. I mean, it, it put people that had no record. It went by like voting records. And so they were propping up and like, Oh, this person's got a B rating or something. And the person, this other person doesn't have any rating and it made it look bad. But the other person didn't have a rating because they've never held a political office. And I'm like, you guys have to change this. This is not it's not right. It's not fair. But anyway, uh, talking about uh, people to be able to look up the pro two a candidates, what's the best sources you think for that?
1: All right. So, I mean, the NRA does have one. Um, in fact, I said I'm, I am rated AQ, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't have an official voting record as a legislator because right. I've never been in the position before. However, the 10 years of work that I've done in protecting our rights um they were able to give me an A rating, but it was based on the questionnaire. And so that's mm. it's the highest rating that somebody who's never held office can get. Right. And so I've, I've earned that <laughs> over a decade, right. but aside from that, uh, my local state, um, the KSRA, the Kansas State Rifle Association, they put out kind of a, a list there. I, the Gun Owners of America, puts out, they have started endorsing candidates and their questions, I can tell you because they endorse me. Their, their questions that they ask are, I mean, they're legit questions. It's, it is pages and pages and wow. you just cannot, I, I can't imagine the effort that it would take to not believe <laughs> in protecting the second amendment and get all the way through that because it's, I mean, it was, it was substantial. Even and I mean, I've been doing it, it for was. a long yeah. time, but yeah. they really they crossed every T and dotted every I. Um, and of course, they are able to look at the how people have voted. Now, mm-hmm. for incumbents and people who have held public office, you can go to your state's .dot gov site, whatever your state is. You can go there and you can actually look up how people have voted on things. Ballotopia. Mm -hmm. Also has records of how your uh, lawmakers have voted on things in the past. Aside from that, spend time with them. Actually have conversations with people who are running, your candidates or yep. the incumbents. Get to know them and make sure that they get to know you. It's important that you know them. It's vital that they know you. Right. And so Make sure that you are actually having the conversations with them so that you get a true bead on whether this is somebody who is accurately representing you because that's the job. That's the entire job. And so I don't hire somebody to do the job if they're not doing the job.
0: Exactly. Um, And then uh, Mr. Roboto out there. He says, do tweets and emails make any difference? Uh, He always leans into phone calls and snail mail. Uh,
1: Tweets and tweets, especially, and different social media posts, are more so about, I mean, you can call somebody out, but it's more so about rallying the troops. It's more so about getting other people involved so that they are also writing the email, making the phone call, sending the letter. So please, yes, utilize those. The more ways that we can contact our legislators, the more ways that we can contact one another so that we're all kind of moving in the same direction, the better. And so use it all. Whatever it is, um, just make sure that if you want to be taken seriously, you really do have to. I say it all the time. I am always professional. I'm not always polite. And so (laughs) make sure that you're being professional, even if it's a situation that you um, strongly disagree with them and they have put you in a position where you don't necessarily need to be polite about the fact that they are trying to take your rights away from you—that is—that right. is not something that you should be polite about. But you mm-hmm. can be professional in your delivery.
0: Yeah, and if you're not, you just give them a reason to dismiss it or sidestep it, right? So I mean, you shoot oh, yeah. yourself in the foot—no pun intended—but you shoot yourself <laughs> in the foot a little bit there. Um, and so I you think form that the
1: caricature that they try to per- portray that we are, and mm-hmm. the more we can buck that stereotype, the better for all of us.
0: Yeah. And I think the whole idea of tweet and social media and that sort of thing, I see people that do that all the time. You got to realize that's that's not a primary means of communication in any way. However, it can help to get your point across. So once you've contacted them and you go, hey, look, I don't think you got this right. I don't think you're on the right side of this issue. And I'm going to make sure I let people know that. You're not on the right side of this issue. So, in combination with your call or your letter or your email, then they start seeing their tagged a bunch and reshared and retweeted. That carries more weight. That'll amplify that original message. I think that you that you gave them.
1: That's what we call good peer pressure.
0: <laughs> yes, right, right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I guess that uh, that all pretty much does it. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here because. You do have so many irons in the fire. You got so many things going. If people want to follow, if they want to support these things, uh, just keep tabs on what you're doing, which is kind of stalkerish, but I'm sure you don't mind it to an extent. Um, let them know how they can do that.
1: All right. So let's see. We'll start with 1 Million Moms Against Gun Control because that's where I started. Um, the It's 1MMAGC.org if you want to follow the organization. I am on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, it is Rebecca Schmoy, 1-M-M-A-G-C mom. On Instagram, it's just Rebecca Schmoy. Um, Then, let's see, DC Project. You can follow along with DC Project on Facebook and Instagram as well. I believe that they also have a Twitter. I try to stay away from Twitter. It's a horrible bridge Filled with trolls underneath, so i <laughs> i try to i try to keep right. clear of that. I have a lot of stuff going on, and I can't get baited into into the back and forth on that. Um, but I believe that DC Project is also on Twitter. Um, then we've got let's see, the political page is RebeccaSchmoy.com, and so I talk about gun rights and I talk about all the other world of politics um, basically in everything I do. Uh, so there is a lot of overlapping. You'll see a lot of things that are, are similar or the exact same thing. And that's because this is what I do. Um, not only do I advocate for gun rights and, um, basically all of our constitutional rights, but running for office. And then I also work a 40 hour week at a normal nine to five job and i'm a mom so all of my life kind of overlaps into all these different areas and so it's it's super easy to follow me just uh look up my name and i in fact you could use a web browser uh google's fantastic while i was door knocking and people were like well who are you what do you stand for um Google gets a terrible name, but man, they're nice to me because I can be like, Google, Google my name. You'll see the last 10 years of what I've been up to. And so so at the doorstep, people were able to look on their phones and go, oh, wow. Yeah. You actually mean what you're talking about here. So it was, you know, but it's any, you can find me all over the place. I'm literally everywhere. Uh, Amcon is coming up this weekend and I'll be there. I'm, I'm going to speak about hitting your target audience. And so it's, it's a good time.
0: Yep. And uh, GRPC.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well it's campaign season. So I get to run in and speak and basically run back out so I can make it back up to Kansas. Ah, Yeah. Now it's right it's grueling it's it's been a process I've never been part of a campaign before so <laughs> right. I just jumped in uh to the deep end of the pool I'm just happy that I know a lot of really amazing lifeguards so it was right. <laughs> but it's 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 for real man yeah. it's not for sissies that's for sure
0: <laughs> well sometimes that's the way you have to do it you just have to rip the band-aid off right kind of yeah you know, well, check you your rights it. like
1: me so <laughs> right. that's, that's that's how we got started
0: right. Well thanks for uh thanks for joining us here for a conversation. Uh it's been a long time coming, but I yeah. did thoroughly enjoy it. Hopefully everybody else out there did as well. And uh whenever you can pencil in time in the future, we'll uh Perfect. You've got a you've got a standing invitation to come back well, on.
1: Thank you very uh, much.
0: So for uh for everybody that has won an iron six minutes, whatever it is in replay at this point, in replay, really you might need to seek help for that and if you've lasted this long and live same thing thanks to she Fires for that uh, super sticker or whatever it was she sent earlier thanks for that uh, that's gonna do it for this one and until next time don't forget to chain fire freedom we appreciate the patreon patrons and youtube channel members who keep these podcasts going if you're looking for cool stickers patches and other gear be sure to check out CloverTack.com.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTac Podcast.